What's good, everybody? This is Devalian with Scout Team Sports here for your week one recap. And we will have a short prediction and analysis for this up-and-coming Thursday night football matchup. But we begin with last Thursday night's football matchup of week one. Uh, Texans at the Chiefs. Um, Yeah, it's pretty much what I predicted uh, before the game. And that was that the Chiefs would handle this one pretty well, especially due to the fact that uh, the Texans and Deshaun Watson, just he just doesn't have what he needs around him to win football games. Um, the defense isn't what it used to be back in the days of Matt Schaub. When Matt Schaub was quarterback of the Texans, the Texans were a feared defense, but they couldn't get it together offensively. Now it's like almost the opposite. Um, yeah, J.J. Watt is still there, but, I mean, he's good, but he's still one guy. And even after a bunch of back surgeries, and regardless of how good he said he feels nowadays, you're never the same, especially with severe back surgeries like that. Um, but, I mean, especially on the offense, you take away DeAndre Hopkins, you trade him away because of some personal issues um, that the coach had with him, and you get... David Johnson in return, who's no slouch, but he's not nearly the game changer that DeAndre Hopkins is. And so when you get down against the Chiefs, because, of course, the Chiefs still have all their offensive firepower uh, led by Patrick Mahomes. uh, And then you can't stop Tyreek Hill. And if you try to slow him down, then you have to deal with Kelsey. And then you have to deal with Denard Robertson and then um, uh, and then Kennard and then. and then Denard, Denard Robinson and then Miko Hardman. There, there it is. I'm getting names mixed up. Um, <clears throat> so you get down even maybe like, you know, two scores, 10 points, 14 points. And now you're needing to catch up via the pass. And that's just not really a good scenario for Deshaun Watson. Number one, an offensive line looked like they couldn't still couldn't block well against the Chiefs defense. Chiefs defense, you know, stepped it up in the playoffs, played well, but I still wouldn't even, wouldn't even classify them as, like, even in the top 10 defenses in the league, according to last year. We'll see what happens this year. But, um, yeah, the offensive line could not handle the Chiefs defense. Um, the D-line couldn't protect him. He's looking, Deshaun's looking all over the place. Um, and, you know, hey, what does he have as far as weapons on offense? Just like I said, Chiefs handled that one steadily, 34-20. to 20. So moving on to the Sunday games, <clears throat> we start with Seahawks and Falcons. Um, it was just like I predicted with that one. The steady ship is the Seahawks versus the ship that sometimes is steady, sometimes rides high, and then sometimes will sink to the bottom of the ocean in the Falcons. And uh, they just didn't have enough when it came to... Um, you know, firepower, in in my opinion. Like, you got Julio Jones, but it seems like Matt Ryan can never get Julio Jones in the end zone um, or get him on a route to where he's in the end zone or something like that. Um, you know, Todd Gurley was there. He, you know, he did a little bit. But, I mean, the Seahawks are just, man, they're just, they're an offensive juggernaut now. I mean, it w- it took some years to get there, and Russell Wilson had to struggle, but now he's got his offensive line. He's got Carson. He's got... Uh, Rashad Penny, he's got Tyler Lockett, he's got DK Metcalf, you add in uh, Greg Olson that they got from Carolina, uh, Russell Wilson can do stuff 
he can do wonders with average talent around him. And this is a and definitely for what he has right now is a step above that. So, I mean, I can't see them not being playoff bound. Uh, it's just a question of, you know, how is it going to go with the rest of the division? Um, but, uh, yeah, Seahawks handle that one, 38 to 25. Not a surprise there. Um, <clears throat> we move on to the Bills and the Jets. Um, just this one is what I predicted as well. The Bills, like I said, there's no reason they shouldn't win uh, the division this year. Uh, but um, here's the thing. Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Bills, is the he's the he has the keys to the kingdom in Buffalo. The ship sinks or swims with him. And the reason why it sinks or swims with him is because he is their leader, but he can also be their worst enemy. And uh, you know, they're clearly from top to bottom a better team than the Jets. The Jets are kinda they're they're all over the place. Sam Darnold did not look good, in my opinion. I know it's like, you know, a lot of uh, talking heads are high on him. Uh, he doesn't have the talent around him, and, and, you know, he needs help and things of that nature. And it wasn't a good start going off with this one. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is um, doesn't finish the game. Le'Veon Bell gets hurt again, doesn't finish the game, but he's got his guaranteed money, so he ain't tripping. I don't really think he really cares about being on the Jets and especially with I'm surprised he's still there even after all this litigation about him and Adam Gase not being on the same page and Gase not wanting him to be there in the first place um but it's like okay well you want to just think you two can uh work things out and you know keep this as like a work relationship it's not that easy so I don't even know why they still have Le'Veon Bell there if they don't want him. He if Gase doesn't want him, and Gase apparently has the keys keys to the kingdom because even though he didn't choose Bell, uh, the person who chose Bell is not there anymore. And I think that was the former GM. But now that Gase has control and has the blessing of his owner, I figured Gase could get what he wants. And yeah, Le'Veon Bell's a good back, but if you don't want him there, then you already have a conflict. Le'Veon Bell's already got his guaranteed money that he wanted uh, in the first place. And so now it's like you're disgruntled and he feels disrespected. But it's like, okay, well, he's going to play because he's contractually obligated. But, um, yeah, that that whole thing's a mess. Um, the offensive line is not good still. Um, who does Sam Darnold have to throw to? I couldn't see anybody who really stood out as far as his wide receivers. Um, so it's like, what are you doing, Jets? Uh, you, you're already shooting yourselves in the foot by not preparing well for this season. And I get nobody had uh, the preseason to deal with, um, you know, to work through a, a regular off season uh, to prepare for this season. But still, uh, what, what are you doing? I mean, the bill and let me get back to the bills, because that's to me is a more important issue. Josh Allen. If he is going to run the football as much as he does, then from this moment on, because I'm pretty sure it hasn't been happening, from this moment on, Josh Allen needs to spend half of his practice time in the running back drills with the running backs. That's what he needs to do because he cannot protect the football for nothing. He cannot protect the football and he is making really dumb mistakes. 
anybody knows when you're running the football, once you pass that line of scrimmage and you become a runner, you have to protect the football. It's not even the fact that he's holding the football in and somebody, a defender, is punching in or stripping it out of him. That's not even happening. Every Both times when he fumbled the football, he extended the football away from his body. You don't do that. Even maybe uh, the best running back, I would probably give to him give that best running back in the world a pass if he's trying to fight for extra yards. Not Josh Allen. He doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to handling the football and quote unquote trying to fight for extra yards. One time he dove, he fumbled. The other time he tried to extend the ball with one hand and fumbled and it went right into the hands of the defender. Don't do that. Don't be that stupid. I'm calling it what it is. That was stupid. You don't extend the ball away from your body when you're running with the football, especially as a quarterback. You don't do that. When you run, you break that line of scrimmage, you tuck that football, you run, you protect it, you slide, you do whatever. You want to take hits, you want to take punishment, fine. Protect the football and then knuckle up and take your hits. Don't extend the football away from your body. Protect the football. That was stupid. The main reason they won this game is because overall they're just a better team than the Jets, and the Jets are horrible. Other than that, I mean, any against another decent team, the Bills might have lost this game because of two stupid mistakes by Josh Allen. Yes, he made good plays, but you cannot do that most games. You can do that against the Jets, as we see. But you can't do that against most teams. So please, Josh Allen, get it together. Protect the football. Don't be that stupid. That was just stupid. You're the leader of the team. I could say that's a a mistake for maybe a rookie running back trying to make his way and nobody's really taught him how to protect the football because that's the way he used to do it in college all the time. Look, look, you number one, you're not in college anymore. Two, you're not a running back, even though you want to run the football all the time. But if you want to be that guy, Get in the running back drills during practice during the week. Learn to protect the football. That was just that was atrocious. Yes, the Bills get the win, but that that was just that was just disturbing. Um, next off, we have Bears at Lions. Uh, the Lions. I picked the Lions to win, and they should have won. They were up twenty three to six in the fourth quarter, and they allow the Bears to come all the way back and beat them. I, I yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. I'm looking at that. I'm like, okay, it and it's it's a total team loss because it's on the defense for allowing them, allowing the Bears to get back in the game, all in the fourth quarter, down twenty three to six, and it's also on the Lions' offense for not being able to score not once in the fourth quarter. I told you guys about Matt Stafford. I told you guys it's it's time to move on. It's it's stale. That's what it is with him. It's stale. When it's stale, even if that's better than bad, stale isn't good enough in the NFL. And and no disrespect to Lions fans, but they're probably so used to this, it's like it's whatever. But I can't I couldn't stand for that. I, I really couldn't. I really could not stand for that. It's just stale. Adrian Peterson looked good for what they used him for. But the fact that you're not able to score any points in the fourth quarter, that's how you lose football games. Because you think that your lead is just good enough to just sit on, and then you have your defense in the fourth quarter doing all the work 
on the field the majority of the time trying to stop the other offense because you can't score. You can't sustain any long drives and you go three and out. That's as much on the Lions offense for losing that football game as it is the Bear at the Lions defense for allowing the Bears to come back from down 23 to six in the fourth quarter. That just should not have happened. But kudos to the Bears for getting it done. Mr. Trubisky by hooker by crook, even though he looked sloppy and uh, a costly turnover when he was trying to extend the play. Uh, yeah, when he's trying to extend the play and he shouldn't, or at least he doesn't know what he's doing when he's trying to extend the play. Uh, go figure with that one. But they come out on top. They get the win on the road. Good for the Bears. Next, uh, we have the Packers and the Vikings. I was totally wrong on this, um, but my wrongness was based on the premise of last year. I thought that the way things were going with the Packers, that they would try to tame Aaron Rodgers. They would try to tame Aaron Rodgers, try to make this a running the game, running the football and play defense type of team. And they wouldn't allow Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers and air it out. That clearly was not the case. And they let Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers. They let him air it out. The passing game was the star of this show, not the running game, as it should be. And it proved to be the reason why they were absolutely just dominant, in my opinion, against the Vikings defense. On top of that, just the, it looked like the Vikings defense just couldn't cover anybody. They were atrocious. The Vikings defense was atrocious. And this one for the Vikings is solely on their defense. Why? Because the final score is 43 to 34. The Vikings offense played particularly well. I can't say that, okay, they didn't play well every single drive, but they they were matching. I mean, Dalvin Cook, I think, had at least three, no, he had at least two touchdowns, if not three. I think he had three touchdowns. Um, and Kirk Cousins, you know, it's Kirk Cousins. He's not nearly as good as Aaron Rodgers, but he played competent. He played as well as you could. But, I mean, once the Packers got up, I mean, once the Packers got the lead and up 10 points, I'm like, it never really stopped. Even if the the Vikings would score again, then the Packers scored again, and the Packers just stayed on top. Their defense, the Vikings' defense, could not stop anything, anything at all. So that is solely on the defense because the Vikings offense was scoring on the Packers defense and all the all the Vikings offense needed. It was for their defense to make maybe one, maybe two stops and they could have possibly won this football game. But that's 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 solely on the defense. And then Aaron Rodgers lighten it up. And like I said, um, they didn't tame him. They didn't try to make this a running game and 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 in defense defense type football team and Aaron Rodgers did his thing and when he's doing his thing especially against an average to mediocre defense it's 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 a done deal already um <clears throat> next we're gonna go to the Dolphins and the Patriots I was wrong on this one too and um just I you know I I wasn't expecting a whole bunch from Fitzpatrick but you know it's 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 really hit or miss with him. I, I realize that it's just about, you know, maybe, you know, stringing two along so they can train him and train him up to where they think he's he's competent enough and he can handle it. But I figured Fitzgerald would be able to do a little bit better than this. And, you know, it was he did a little better late, but him running in a touchdown at the end when they're already down by so much, that doesn't do anything. Um, for the most part, he was he threw 
three picks. He threw three picks. And, uh, you know, with that Patriots defense, um, yeah, they were they were feasting on him. So it's, it's really hit or miss with him. He's either fits magic or fits tragic. That's how they say. He's either one or the other. I don't even ever really see him, like, right in the middle. He's either really good or, or he's really bad, depending on the week and depending on whatever's going on inside his head. And um, when it came to the Patriots offense, like I said, I put faith in Cam and I didn't put faith in the rest of the the offense, but apparently Cam was all they needed. And uh, I don't know if it was because, I mean, maybe the Dolphins defense isn't, you know, they need more time to gel and get better. You know, they didn't, you know, ah, I thought they would be better than they were last season, but I mean, Cam was running all over the place and that was really all the Patriots offense needed. And I guess, yeah, I, I figured the Dolphins' defense would have made it a tighter, contested matchup, but maybe they were just dejected with the, the fact that the Dolphins' offense couldn't help them out at all. Cam gets two rushing touchdowns, and it's a done deal. So I didn't think it would be that simple to beat the Dolphins because um, I just figured they had a little more grit, a little more scrap to them. But um, apparently I was wrong. Maybe it'll come back later where it was from last season as far as that Dolphins' defense um, just, you know, how they play, you know, um, hopefully it'll come back, but, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't there. It wasn't there this first, uh, the first game of the season. And so, yeah, Patriots get the win 21 to 11. Uh, next speaking of scrappy, speaking of grit and what I talked about, but I didn't give them enough credit that they could win the football game was the Washington, <clears throat> excuse me, Washington football team. Washington football team hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. I picked the Eagles to eke out a win, but this was a case of the opposite. I mean, if, if you've watched the first half, you would think that, okay, you know, I was pretty much right. The Eagles got out to a 17-0 lead, 17-0, and allowed in the second half for the Washington football team to score 27 unanswered points. I think they might have got... No, yeah, they got their first touchdown late, right before the end of the half. Uh, and then from there, they, they didn't score at all in the second half. I was shocked by that. Not that it's like I'm pulling for the Eagles, but I just I expected better. But kudos to Ron Rivera. I like Ron Rivera as a head coach. Kudos to Ron Rivera for rallying that team and getting them to their first victory over a division rival, nonetheless, and that defense, man, that was part of that was part of the the biggest thing was that defensive line was vicious. That uh, the Eagles' offensive line could not handle Washington's defensive line. They forced uh, they got three sacks, and uh, that that I saw, and then they got uh, like two interceptions. But I mean, if you talk about guy, I talk about you know before the state of the league address that podcast episode where there are certain guys who really needed the offseason, who really needed preseason. It seemed like, and I wouldn't have thought this would be one of them, but it seemed like Carson Wentz really missed that. He needed some preseason. He needed some offseason, regular offseason with no no COVID and no altered practices and altered this and altered that. and uh, He needed that because he looked horrible. He looked good in the first half, but then in the second half, I'm like, Carson, like, it wasn't just him. It was the offensive line, but it was a combination of both. It was him not making good decisions, 
And then the offensive line couldn't handle uh, the Washington defensive line, and they just took the game over. And and then Washington's offense uh, with Peyton Barber was running. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, he 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 was competent. Um, he wasn't the, the best, wasn't spectacular, but hey, they got the win. So kudos to Washington for getting the first win of the season on game one of the season and over a division rival, no less, who many thought would probably be the uh, division champions this year, if not the Cowboys. But yeah, very surprised by that one. Uh, next, we're going to go to the Raiders and the Panthers. The Raiders did what I expected, and they got the win. I expected the offense to play like they did. The reason I was so hard on Derek Carr was because the way that they played in this game was the way he should have been playing. They should have been playing last year, but they didn't do it. And they taught you, know, like I said, I don't care about your 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 completion percentage and stuff like that. If you're not leading your offense down the field into the end zone, there's a psyche that comes with it. Even if even on running plays, the quarterback is still very important because he commands his team. He leads his his offensive team down the field, tells them what to do, gives them the confidence that the leader says this is what's going to happen and we're going to do it and we're going to make it happen. So that that don't ever discredit that psyche. Don't ever discredit what a quarterback is supposed to do, even in the running game, and how important he is as a leader of that team. They got it done. Josh Jacobs with three rushing touchdowns um, in this game. And then uh, I was happy to see Ruggs. I would have liked to see Ruggs more, um, but he got hurt, and then he came back later on in the game, and it's like they didn't want to use him when he came back because I guess they didn't want him to get hurt, but they just let him be out on the field so he could get loose again. Um, but other guys stepped up. Nelson Aguilar got a touchdown, uh, and the the Raiders couldn't handle um, McCaffrey on the other end, on the defensive end, but I expected that. I know what the Raiders' defense is. That's my team. I know what they are. So I was expecting them to get torn up by, Ed, uh, I keep saying Ed McCaffrey because I'm back in the days of, of Broncos versus Raiders and stuff. Christian McCaffrey, the son, that's the one we're dealing with. Um, so Christian McCaffrey, um, I, was, I, I knew what he was going to do. So it wasn't a question of that. It was, can the Raiders do just enough to stop the Panthers at least once, and can the Raiders' offense do what they're supposed to do, do what they're capable of doing, and they did. That's why they won this game. That really is a Raider win. It's a Raider type of win. They play eh, eh, defense, but they get one good defensive stop, and the offense does what it's supposed to do, what it's capable of doing. And like I said, I'm, you know, I would never tell them this to their face, but I'm proud of the Raiders' defense because they did what they I expected them to do. They're not that good. They play. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's annoying, but here's the thing. When the Raiders, when you play man coverage on defense, man coverage on defense is really reliant upon the talent that you have because you have one-on-one matchups. And so everybody is trusting anybody who has a one-on-one matchup to do their job at handling that one receiver. If your talent level can't handle the opposing offense, the opposing wide receivers, then you play more zone. So obviously it seemed like the Raiders would play less man and they would play more zone, right? Because their talent level can't handle most 
wide receivers in one-on-one matchups. But in the zone coverage, everybody knows when you try to beat man coverage, you run cross routes. When you try to beat zone coverage, you run vertical. And that big play that Teddy Bridgewater got to uh, Robbie Anderson was a vertical route. He hit him, and anytime you see a wide receiver running forward when he's catching the ball, that part of that route is a vertical route. I would call just the whole route a vertical route because you're ending up running forward when you're catching the football. That's a vertical route. That's how you beat zone coverage, which obviously tells me that the Raiders were in zone coverage. And so they can't handle man coverage because they don't have the talent and they can't handle zone coverage because they're letting they're getting blown up in vertical routes. And so it's like, what are you going to do? You either get better players or you play better zone coverage. One of the two has to happen or else people are going to run through the Raiders defense in the passing game rather um, every week. But. Like I said, when it counted the most, they got one stop on that fourth. Yes, it's the Panthers' fault for not putting the ball in the hands of their best player in, in Christian McCaffrey. But, hey, it is what it is. The Raiders got the stop on that fourth and fourth and inches, and they win the football game. Next, we have the Colts and the Jaguars. Colts and Jaguars, boy, I tell you, I... You know, they talked about Phillip Rivers, you know, oh, he's going to be good for this team and things like that. He's meeting up with his old uh, coaching uh, offensive coach and, you know, things are going to be good for them. Phillip Rivers is still Phillip Rivers. I could almost predict when Phillip Rivers is going to throw a pick. I don't know what came over them thinking that this was going to work. Hey, you want to go with it? Fine. Man. Maybe I mean, it looked like it looked like from the gameplay, it looked like they were just going to mainly rely heavily on the running game, and then Philip Rivers would pass the ball when he needed to. But I mean, they had a lead, so it was like, you know, at that point you run the football, but then if you put that ball in Philip Rivers' hands, I'm like, pick, pick. I'm like, come on, Philip, throw your picks, throw your picks. That's why not a charger anymore. <laughs> it's just funny because it's like. Why would you, why, why did you not see him play last year? Why would you put him as your starting quarterback? Would you had, you know, what many people would uh, think it was something of a, a competent quarterback uh, in Jacoby. So it was like Jacoby Brissett. So I'd rather have Jacoby Brissett starting as my starting quarterback than Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is out there just being Phillip Rivers. You know, when they, he's a he's a he's a very very rah rah siskumba type quarterback, you know. I guess that's what maybe that's what they wanted. That's what they looked for. And just like I said, his familiar relationship with the office of coaches with Frank Reich and stuff like that from when Frank Reich I think was a quarterbacks coach, uh, for the Chargers, at one point. So maybe that's what they were relying on, and and that's why they signed him to a one year deal. Obviously, I would think, um, but that proved to be yeah, just what I thought it would be was a bad idea. Jacoby Brissett should be starting as the Colts quarterback. I would have said that even before this week one started. Uh, but they wanted Phillip Rivers, and there's what you go. Here's what you get. Picks, 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 picks. And the Jaguars played okay. Uh, Garner Minshew, DJ Chark, that's that's a good combination. That was their, That's what was working for the rookie quarterback last year when he was a rookie. And DJ Chark does his thing, and, you know, pretty much they get it done. 
uh, on the comeback. And like I said, Phillip Rivers throwing them good, good old interceptions, them good old uh, side, and I don't want to say sidearm, but just like arched arm, lame duck throws that he's throwing. The good riddance with that. But yeah, if the Colts, maybe the Colts are just using this year as, uh, as a as a as a year to just, you know, he's a you know he's a bridge quarterback until they get, Philip Rivers is a bridge quarterback until they get who they want out of the draft. Maybe they're going after Sunshine, maybe they're going after the quarterback after out of Clemson because this that ain't gonna work, that ain't gonna work. Even if you rely on the running game a whole lot, eventually you're gonna have to pass the football, and you putting it in Philip Rivers' hands now. Um, so we're going to take a break right here. And before I start on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk about the biggest group of players that truly missed the offseason, the regular offseason and preseason. We'll get into that right on the other side of this break, but we're going to pause 30 seconds for a word from our sponsor. Scout Team Sports right back at you. We're getting back into it with the recap of NFL's first week. And uh, like I said on uh, before the break, uh, the biggest group, like I said in my state of the NFL address, uh, there were going to be groups of people. First of all, a lot of injuries, uh, a, lot, a lot of injuries. I predicted that with no regular offseason no regular OTAs, no regular this, no regular that, no preseason. There were going to be injuries. There are going to be guys that are out for the season and guys that are out for a couple of games. Um, yeah, it was just, it was going to happen. It's, it's unfortunate for those guys and for those teams. Uh, but the group, it was a certain group at a certain position collectively that it just looked like they missed the off season and they missed the NFL preseason more than anybody. And it wasn't the group that I thought it would be because I thought this group, if they, you know, I get with COVID, I get with the pandemic, I get with the uh, social distancing. I still figured with this group, they could get in on the practice field, on the game field and any time with an empty arena and don't have to worry about people around them and practice to their heart's content so that they'd be ready for the regular season, even with no regular offseason, even with no preseason. I figure kickers of all people, of all positions, would still be ready for the regular season because all they do is kick. I mean, boy, it was almost to the point of hilariousness where I could predict Somebody was going to miss a kick. There were so many missed kicks in week one. Every single team, if not majority of the teams, had to be have, at some point go over to their kicker and be like, hey, yo, dog, you, are you all right? Are you you feeling all right? Because, you know, we got doctors, you know, you know, um, we, we got doctors, you know, if you're not feeling well, they can help you. And, um, you know, they could prescribe something for it. They can give you something real quick. Or, you know, we got the massage guys that, you know, your leg muscles are tense or something. You know, you need them loosened up or, or you, you know, what can we do for you? Because clearly your mind ain't here. 
<laughs> Your mind is not here. I could not believe how many kicks they were field goals missed, extra points missed, all over the place. I mean, I will get to it later on, but I'm surprised. I mean, even though he made the game-winning kick, uh, I'm surprised. I'd be surprised if Goskowski for the Titans is there for the remainder of the season because he's going to be on the hot seat every week. Every week. There were so many kicks by just the whole the whole week one. Kicks missed left and right. Missed from 20 yards. Missed from 30 yards. Missed from 40 yards. Missed from 50 yards. There were some who made theirs from 40 and from 50. But there was a lot that missed. There was a lot of extra points missed. Um, wide left, wide right, off the goalposts. Good night. Kickers were atrocious this week one. That had to be so irritating for these football teams who are fighting and and, and, and and just scratching, kicking, and clawing. Okay, we need these three points. And it just looked like dude just, he just got back from vacation. <laughs> and he ain't practiced a lick. He ain't kicked a football since March. Seriously. What was going on with the kickers this week? Maybe next week it'll be some other position. Maybe next week it'll be a position, some other position on the field where, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want nothing bad to happen, but, you know, maybe it'll, maybe it's just something, some type of itis just, just going around or something like that. But I'm like, I, I was, it was, like I said, it was getting to the point of hysterical. Like, I was just, it was, it was funny. It was getting funny. It was like, oh, yeah, he's going to miss this one. Everybody's counting on him. Boom, he's fired. That's <laughs> not funny. I'm not trying to say I'm happy that somebody might get fired. I'm not saying that, but just, man, all over week one, there was so many missed kicks, so many missed field goals, so many missed extra points. Oh, man, I, man, I know if I was coach pulling my hair out, but it's like, with kickers, is there just like a plethora of kickers that are unemployed that if you can fire, if you fire yours and you just get another one, if anything, you're just going to recycle and the, you know, the former Browns kicker is going to get signed by the Chargers and the former Chargers kicker when he gets fired is going to get signed by the Bucks and the former Bucks kicker when he gets fired is going to get signed by the, the Raiders. And it's like, well, <laughs> you're just shuffling around kickers. I don't know if there's that many kickers who are unemployed who, you know, they're just going to get a job. Maybe they will. Maybe they're going to oh, a whole bunch of unemployed kickers are going to get jobs this year. Three quarters of the way or first quarter of the way or halfway through the season. Because if this continues, oh, no, I don't see how you as an organization could tolerate that. That was just I, I ain't talking about just one missed kick. I'm, I'm not talking about like kickers missing two and three kicks per game. Like that on both sides of the football. Like, Wow. Like, like, why do we even have a goalpost? Like, <laughs> we should just kick it and hope maybe you get it, get, give them the points based on the distances they kicked it because they couldn't kick it in between two uprights. It just wasn't possible. That was so bad. Let's get back into these games, shall we? But yeah, man, that was, that was, that was painful and hysterical to watch at the same time. Kickers, week one. Good night. So we're getting back into it to recap. The Browns and the Ravens. This is what I predicted. Uh, the Ravens are a solid team. Browns have question marks. 
uh, and the Browns can never really get it going on offense. I really feel bad for Nick Chubb. It seems like Nick Chubb was the only guy out there trying. Seems like he was the only one out there really trying to really trying to go hard and doing well and doing what he's capable of doing. Um, you know, a little bit of cream hunt too, but Baker Mayfield, I, man, yeah, I didn't think he'd be this bad to start out this new season. I figured he'd be better than that. At least making smarter decisions. Um, the offensive line eh, looked. Eh. They look better running in run blocking, but pass blocking, uh, no. Receivers, and Joku got that one good catch. Uh, Jarvis Landry, uh, wasn't working for Odell Beckham, and you can't you can't say it was it was on Baker Mayfield in, ten, in terms of ignoring him. He had the most targets. He had the most targets. He had ten targets that game. Uh, and I think the second highest, uh, I forgot who it was, but I think the second highest was five or six targets. So Odell Beckham Jr. got the most targets. He was the most targeted, but he was only three for 22. Three catches for 22 yards. You can put some of that on Baker Mayfield, fine, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I think a lot of people are still hoping that, that Odell Beckham Jr. still has that flash on the field in terms of, uh, of star elite power that he once had before um, in terms of his playing ability. I think people are still wanting to see that. I want to see that. I'm still longing to see that. I don't know if it's going to happen with the Browns this year, though. Maybe it'll happen with another team. I still don't think he wants to be there. Uh, but, I mean, 3 for 22 out of 10 targets, you were the most targeted of any other receivers. So, I don't know. What do you want? Uh, the Ravens, the rookie running back, uh, uh, I think it was, not, no, not in gold. I can't remember the name. But, um... Seems like he was doing better than Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram did his thing a little bit. But, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson doing his thing in a passing game. It was just smooth. It was easy. Uh, even when he got pressured, it didn't bother him. And they get an easy win, 38-6 to over division rival, the Browns. Ravens win. Next, we have Chargers and Bengals. Bengals looked scrappy. I like, you know, I like scrappy. You know, when they're, they're kicking and they're fighting, even though they're probably not that good. And um, they were up on the Chargers. So being up on the Chargers at a 13 to 6 is like, yeah. But, um, you know, I think the Chargers did just a little bit better. And they showed that they were a little bit better by getting a win 16 to 13. I mean, Joe Burrow still, you know, he, he did. He had flashes. He got the rushing touchdown, their only touchdown. But, you know, he also made a lot of rookie mistakes, uh, forcing the ball. And then when he would get the quick pressure, I don't think Joe Burrow was, was you know, when they talk about, a lot of times when they interview uh, uh, rookies in the preseason and they get them on the sideline and say, what's the what's the biggest thing as far as the transition from college to pro? And 9.9999 times out of 10, they say the speed. They're faster. It's so much faster. The game is so much faster. And I don't think Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow was ready for the speed in this game. He got the drop on him when they, you know, he did his quarterback sneak and he did the run, the 20-yard, 20-ish yard run for the touchdown, but in terms of the rest of the game, when the Chargers were rushing in on him, the pass rush on the pressure, I, I don't think he was ready for the speed of that pass rush. He definitely just, it just seemed like he couldn't handle it. And he made mis rookie mistakes accordingly. And that was just enough for the Chargers to get the ball, get ahead. Um, Tyrod Taylor making safe decisions. Like I said, he doesn't make that many mistakes. Um, making good connections with Henry, the tight end, a lot of times. 
and they eke out a win, and Chargers eke out a win over the Bengals. But, you know, I think the Bengals show promise. They should definitely show promise. All right, a uh, game that was on a lot of people's radar because of uh, what they were um, said to have accomplished in a time where it's not a regular preseason, but you have this ultimate star caliber quarterback in Tom Brady. So when it came to Tom Brady, uh, it was it was definitely a case of what is going to happen, what's going to happen. He's in a new offense, and he's got all these weapons, and so it's so much better for him uh, being out of Belichick's shadow, being out of the helm of Belichick's discipline, and being in a place where he can just be himself and he can do what he wants to do, and uh, showing that on the field somewhat. And uh, when it came to him versus the Saints defense, he looked average. I'm just going to put it out there. He looked average. Um, And to me, average just doesn't cut it in the NFL. I mean, if you, you know, average average quarterback in the NFL is probably going to get you to maybe five wins. Um, Of course, it's a team effort, but. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying the Bucks, uh, the Bucks are gonna go five and eleven because Tom Brady can clearly play better than that in terms of mentally and just not making mistakes. Um, I figure, you know, he maybe he had overconfidence in his arm. He was trying to prove something, but I figured if you know that your arm is not what it used to be, then you won't make certain decisions because you know you can't make the throws that you normally would make. So you make smarter decisions so that you can still help your team win football games. Like those touchdown passes that he did throw, those were smart plays in terms of tricking the defense on what they were trying to do. That made sense. But all in all, it was just a better performance by, uh, by the Saints. Offensively and defensively, they were a more complete team. I didn't see anything that the Bucks could do on defense to stop the Saints offense, and especially Alvin Kamara. And then when it came to defense, Tom Brady just did not play well. Uh, like I said, outside of the hash mark, outside of the the numbers, you know, everything he threw was was it was okay, but okay is not good enough because okay will get you picked off, and that's what happened. He got pick six, and then there was one where he clearly overthrew. I I don't know what he was thinking of overthrowing that first on that first interception, um, and you know he came back, but by that time, Saints get a lead, and they're not relinquish relinquishing that lead, so you know, you're pretty much done by that point. They tried to come back, but it was just, it was just to no avail. It was too late. So, um, Saints get this win. I'm sorry. Saints get this win. I would say, I want to say easy, but it was, it was, it was handily. Uh, If you could say that handily, a handily win, um, just, yeah, 34 to 23. It really wasn't that close, but uh, Bucks trying to come back late, but yeah, Saints get the win. Moving on. I was right about this one and wrong about this one. I was right in the sense that Kyler Murray was going to be a threat to this Niners defense, and he was, and with more firepower. What he did to them last year in both games was very, 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 very impressive for a rookie, and he continued where he left off. Now, sure, um, you know, he made a mistake here, a mistake there, but for one, it was like he was playing Madden. 
he was playing a video game and throwing the football. He got 14 completions to DeAndre Hopkins, his new number one target. And that's a career high for D-Hop. Not surprising that they did that. Um, Not surprising that they tried that, rather. But he got that many completions off to DeAndre Hopkins, which I figured the Niners would be keying in on as his new number one and favorite target. But D-Hop gets 14 completions, a career high. And like I said, um, when it came to throwing to him, Kyler Murray was just, it was like he was playing a video game. But Kyler Murray is a real deal. I mean, I knew that last year, but um, this Niners defense, you know, they got taken for a loop when it came to dealing with this guy because his escapability out of the pocket. Yeah, he makes some mistakes. They got to him one time when he was trying to run away. They got the sack. Um, but still, this Kyler Murray leading this offense is just, it, it's definitely a threat. That was the best trade they could have ever made. Uh, a Christmas come early for him. Uh, and getting D Hop as his number one receiver uh, on the other end, yeah, it's um, the it really came down in the case of the run the quarterbacks here. Uh, yes, Kyler Murray can run, and he got a rushing touchdown, which aids the Cardinals in terms of the dynamics of their offense. But Jimmy Garoppolo is shouldn't be a slouch, and he should be relying a lot on the running game. But when it came time for him to pass the football. It just seemed like he just didn't know what he wanted to do. And there was just one play like where he was in the pocket and he's calling himself trying to, I guess, scramble out of the pocket. But the way he would turn around and turn his back to the defense that was trying to take his head off and then turning around and turn his back once again to the defense. It's like he doesn't even know how to move in the pocket. He doesn't even know how to move in the pocket to escape the pocket or at least to get free or just just throw the ball away. Here's the thing I don't understand. When it comes to a lot of quarterbacks these days, when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to like like avoiding pressure uh, and just preserving yourself so that you don't get hurt and that you can still be there for your team. Why don't people take. Why don't more guys take the Peyton Manning philosophy and just fall down? Just fall down, protect yourself because you're more valuable. You're more valuable to your football team healthy and taking a sack than trying to extend the play and getting injured. That's what I also what I saw a lot of for, for certain quarterbacks this week one. Just take the sack. Why are you trying to extend the football play? You're not that good. Aside from a couple of quarterbacks, a handful of quarterbacks, and all of them are black, why are you trying to maneuver around in the pocket like you have some type of or level of escapability? You don't. Get rid of the football or just fall down. Protect yourself. That way you preserve yourself so that you can still help your team win. I guarantee you some of these quarterbacks, they're going to continue to try to extend plays and then they're going to get hurt. And they're going to miss the season and they're going to cost their team a lot of wins all because they didn't play smart football. And Jimmy Garoppolo was one of them. The way he was taking sacks, it was like he was standing. Sometimes he was just standing in the pocket like like a lame duck. Like he was just like like he froze and he didn't know what to do. Like he's waiting on one thing to happen. He doesn't go through a progression or anything. He's waiting for this one thing to happen. And he's just holding the football. And it didn't happen. Oh, no, time to scramble. It's too late, dude. They're going to take your head off. You ain't athletic enough to get away from these big defensive linemen.
Why are you doing that? So, um, you know, I figured the ground and pound and the short passing game, which, which was working early on, they would stick with that. But I don't know. They just they, they got behind and I guess they just underestimated the Cardinals. I really think that they did. I think the Niners underestimated the Cardinals on both sides of the ball. And that was part of the reason why they lost other than the Cardinals are getting better. Uh, and Kyler Murray is Kyler Murray's the real deal. Kyler Murray is as like, small as he is. That boy, that little boy can go. Uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but just, man, they're, they're, the NFC West is going to be entertaining. NFC West and AFC West, I think, are probably going to be the most entertaining uh, divisions this year, with the rest of the divisions being probably the teams that typically are going to win. You know, it'll come down to, um, you know, typical in like in, in, in the AFC East, it'll probably be the Patriots and the Bills. Um, you know, and other conferences of the AFC North is probably going to be the Ravens and the Steelers. Um, but the NFC West and the AFC West, uh, I want well, AFC West, what am I saying? The AFC West competitive in terms of second place. We already know that um, the Chiefs are going to win that division. But I'm curious as far as like the Broncos, they were scrappy this week. Uh, the Chargers and the Raiders. It's going to be curious to see who can get that second spot in the division if it's and if it's enough to get into the playoffs. So that's let me clarify that. But yeah, the NFC West itself, the NFC West is going to be probably the most entertaining uh, of all divisions this year because every single team is a legitimate threat. Every single team, the Niners are a threat, the Seahawks are a threat, the Rams are a threat, the Cardinals are a threat. Any any one of those teams is just a legitimate threat, like in the division. So that's going to be very curious and very exciting, I think, in my opinion. But the Cardinals get a division win over the Niners, and that's very big for them. Next, we go on to the nightcap for Sunday night, Sunday night football. Cowboys at the Rams in the new SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And um, the... Uh, Rams wearing white jerseys in their new stadium. Cowboys wearing the dark jerseys that you hardly ever see the Cowboys wear. Uh, wish that they would wear more at home, but they like the whites at home. So the Rams wanted to wear whites at home for some reason. Um, go figure. A couple teams wanted to do that, which was mind-boggling to me. I, mean, I get certain teams wanted to do it for the heat, um, but this wasn't that case. So uh, go figure on that. I like home teams wearing colors. That's just me. Uh, but we get into this game and, uh, I, you know, the Rams win 2017, but I expected more from the Rams offense in this one. And they played gritty, they played tough, but it just seemed like they could never really get it going. Jared Goff made a couple of mistakes, but it just seemed like they could never really get it going. And all accounts, I think in terms of how they played, the style that they played, the Cowboys should have won this football game. The Cowboys should have won this football game, but it it just seems like they it Dak was another one of those who really suffered from not having a regular offseason and a regular preseason to get fresh and to get ready for this um suffer from not having a preseason to get ready for the regular season. So and it just seems like he was just he was he 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 showed some sparks but then he was just flat. He was making mistakes that he normally wouldn't make. Um, he got sacked by Aaron Donald one time, and it was like, 
Aaron Donald Lear to pull him down because he was trying to get away, trying to escape. I'm like, no, you're not getting away. Don't pull like that. You pull like that, you're going to pull something. <laughs> you're going to pull something. Just, Aaron Donald gets a hold of you, dude. Just go down. Just, just let it happen. There's certain ways that he could tackle you, and he was pulling you toward him. Don't try to pull away, because when you pull away from a 300-pound man, they're going to keep pulling. They're going to win, and then something that you're trying to resist with an ankle or a knee or a foot or a toe is going to not go the way that you think it should go. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, Zeke got on. You know, it took him a little while to get going, but then Zeke was their only offense. Um, and then, you know, CD Lamb made a couple of good catches. Um, but all in all, it just seemed like the Dallas offense was flat. They just didn't look like a team that was ready to play football. Um, and like I said, the Rams probably looked on as well, sloppy as well. And a couple of missed field goals in the game, like I talked about before, it was just a field day for kickers in the worst way possible. And uh, I think the Rams just made one less mistake which allowed them to get the win that's really what it was uh the uh i don't know if it was gallup or the last receiver that pushed off on Jalen ramsey and got that offensive pass interference uh a couple of offensive pass interferences going around this this time where i was like i was shocked that the refs actually caught that and penalized them because a lot of times they just let the offensive players do whatever they want to do and you hardly ever see offensive pass inter- you hardly, hardly ever see offensive pass interference get called but it happens more often than you think. But it seems like they were on top of it this time. Like these push-offs that these receivers are doing, they weren't getting away with none of that. And I'm shocked because normally they probably let the offensive uh, players do that, uh, especially the receivers. But like I said, I think both these rant, both these teams have a lot of work to do. Um, and it's tough because the season's already started and you didn't get the proper preparation. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, both these teams are threatening their division, but they got a lot of work to do. But Rams just eke out a win by making maybe one less mistake than the Cowboys did. We get to your Monday night doubleheader. And first we start with the Steelers at the Giants. Uh, this one was, again, what I predicted. The Steelers are just a better football team all around. Um, just getting the job done. Ben Roethlisberger, pretty sure he was happy to be back um, airing it out. But he is the main proponent of this whole thing that I talked about as far as quarterbacks not making smart decisions with their body. He has a knack, and he's always done this. And you're probably going to say, oh, that's Ben Roethlisberger. He's, 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 he is what he is, and that's what he needs to do, and that's how he plays. But look, you're at, toward the end of your career, man. you got to play smarter than this. What am I talking about? Ben Roethlisberger has a knack for trying to fight off sacks. Fight off sacks. He's getting pressured. He has a football in one hand. He tries to tuck it and protect it, and he tries to stiff arm or get away from, physically get away from, push off from uh, a defensive lineman or a linebacker or whoever's blitzing or whoever's trying to sack him in order that he can try to extend the play. Nine times out of ten, it's going to get him injured again, and he's going to not finish the season. He needs to stop doing that. Stop it. It's not about how good you are. It's about playing smart. You can't, it's not smart for you to fight off sacks. He's one of the main ones. Like I said, as long as he's been in the league, you would think by now he would have adopted the Peyton Manning school of thought and just go down. You, it's not smart to always try to extend the play. 
That's how Derek Carr got hurt the year he was on his MVP season and the Raiders were the number one seed um, two games out of the out of the playoffs. The Raiders were the number one seed two games out of the playoffs. Derek Carr is up against the Colts. They are clearly winning the football game by like 14 or 17 points. He wants to try to extend the play when the pocket's breaking down. A defender gets him, wraps him around, catches his ankle under. It's over. They drop from the fifth seed. They drop down to the fifth seed in the playoffs. Of course, they don't. Of course, they lose in the, in the wild card round of the playoffs to the Texans. That's how it happens. You cannot be stupid. Play smart. Everybody's trying to be the hero all the time instead of playing smart football. That's what annoys me, because it's like I, I want to see. I would love a world, and I understand that this probably will never happen. I would love a world where nobody ever got injured because I want to see your best versus that team's best. Nobody injured. Nobody. Well, if this player would have been there, then it would have been a different thing because this person's a game changer. I get get so tired of those scenarios and those analyses. But guys don't want to play smart. I understand freak accidents happen. But Ben Roethlisberger is not a smart player when it comes to protecting himself. Just because he's big doesn't mean he can't get injured. He has had several injuries where he has missed several games and even ended his season. And part of his problem is when he has pressure and when they literally have a hold of him, he wants to try to fight off a sack by holding the football with one hand and trying to stiff arm a, a guy who's trying to sack him with the other. And, and like, eventually one of them is going to catch you. They ain't going to let go. And you're going to try to resist. And you're going to get injured again. That's how injuries happen, especially with quarterbacks. Because they're trying to extend plays. And they need to just go down. And they don't protect themselves. And a foot or a ligament or an elbow or whatever gets caught. And that's your season. So, it's not like I'm rooting for the Steelers at all. I'm not. But I just, I don't like to see stuff like that when it's like, dude, just go down. Protect yourself. Live to fight another day. You continue to try to protect yourself. I mean, you continue to try to fight off sacks like that. Eventually, you're not going to be able to fight one off, regardless of how big you are. And then it's over. You've, you've, you've broken something or something's been whatever, just like it was last year. So... But Steelers still get the win because, like I said, they're a better football team. Uh, Roethlisberger, Aaron now, Juju Smith-Schuster gets two receiving touchdowns. And uh, Daniel Jones, for all intents and purposes, at times he looked good, but at times it just looked like the game was too much for him. And I don't know if they call that a sophomore slump or whatnot. Um, Saquon Barkley did his thing a little bit here, a little bit there, but... You know, once the Steelers got the lead, and it, you know, just it just came down to probably just the Steelers have a better defense. Steelers have a better defense that was too much for the Giants, and the Giants defense couldn't do anything pretty much against the Steelers offense. So, Steelers win twenty six sixteen. That's a pretty Steeler ish win. Um, judging by their gameplay and their style of play, and like I said, Daniel Jones just he looked good at times. The other times it just looked like. The game was too much for him. It was too fast for him. He didn't know how to escape the pocket. He wanted to run, but then he couldn't. So they're going to have to get better in that regard. And, of course, like I said, I know they don't have their best offensive lineman there. So that is a factor. And your final Monday night football game is Titans at the Broncos. My goodness. 
My goodness. Like I said, when I talked about kickers earlier and Goskowski, I mean, the final score, if you're thinking about it, the final score was 16 to 14 with Goskowski kicking a game-winning field goal. But if Goskowski would have made every kick that he attempted, the final score should have been maybe 26 or 28 to 14, not 16. This guy missed three, was it two, he either missed two field goals and three extra points or three field goals and two extra points. One or two. I mean, he could not get it together. I was like, he is fired for sure. He is done. You cannot miss that. I get one. And even some teams are lenient when you miss two. And it's like, oh, man, just having a bad game. But this guy missed at least four to five kicks in one game. This game wouldn't have come down to a last-second field goal had he made three other kicks previously. My goodness, and it wasn't just him, but man, that just rounds off the the atrocity, the atrociousness of kickers in week one of of the NFL. My goodness, they were horrible. Kickers missing field goals, missing extra points. Goskowski is just lucky that his def the defense of his team was able to hold off Drew Locke and company with the Broncos. I know the Broncos aren't fully healthy on defense. So they kind of, you know, snubbed them, but they still did okay anyway because, well, the Titans' offense is nothing to write home about because it's like outside of Derrick Henry, I don't put that much faith in Tannehill. I know they like what they saw because when he came through midseason, just like other quarterbacks do when they come through midseason and nobody's prepared for them, they look spectacular because, like, people can't study them and uh, or study enough of them to figure out how to beat them. But now it's like a full season, full season study them, Tannehill looks like the old Tannehill back in Miami. Average is okay, doing good, makes completion here, makes completion there, but ultimately can't get his team in the end zone enough. Um, Three touchdowns, three touchdowns. You should be, if you are above average quarterback, if you're a really good quarterback in the NFL, you should be able to lead your offense into the end zone at least three times a game. At least three times a game, more often than not, can get you a win. But or at least keep you competitive for a win. But Tannehill couldn't do that. And like I said, you know they're going to run Derrick Henry, but if you stop Derrick Henry or at least slow him down, what's your next bet? Tannehill Brown was is a rookie wide receiver from last year that made waves last year. I didn't see anything that was like making me think, okay, the Titans are really going to do it. They're going to get it going. Meanwhile, on the other side, it seemed like Drew Locke was doing well, but then, you know, his sophomore slump, this is his first year starting. Um, So, you know, he's going to have his bumps and bruises. Um, But I still look for them to be a tough, gritty team, the Broncos. But uh, like I said, this game should have been 26 or 28 to 14, if anything, uh, for the Titans. But they had it took a last second field goal when they were down 13 to 14 to get the win. Um, despite Goskowski missing, like I said, five kicks, five field, either two, three, two field goals and three extra points or three field goals and two extra points, one of the two. And the Titans eke out a win over the Broncos. We got your Monday, uh, not Monday night. We got your Thursday night. We're getting too far ahead of ourselves. Thursday night football matchup. This is in in years past was was not be this would not be interesting at all but i like it i i i think it's it's interesting especially this early on in the season 
Um, the Browns at the no, the Bengals at the Browns. So division rival game. Both teams coming off a loss. Um, if you're looking at how they both played, I think the Bengals played better against the Chargers than the than the Browns played against the Ravens. But the Ravens are clearly a better team than all of them. So that's kind of, I guess, in a way, fair comparison, but then not a fair comparison. The matchup between the two, I like the Browns, but I like the Bengals. It's weird. It's I, I can't say that because of the Browns just having better talent, you would think that that would automatically mean that they're a better team and they should get this win. But I'm not confident about it. I really am not. They look like they're the better team, but you know what? I, and, and, I, and like I said, we, we, with Joe Mixon and his fumble, you know, last week, you know, they talk about, oh, he fumbled. He never fumbles. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to put the heat on the Browns. I'm going to put the heat on the Browns uh, to get this win by saying that the Bengals are going to win. I think the Bengals are going to win this first matchup. I think the Bengals are going to win. Joe Burrow gets his first win, and Baker Mayfield and that offense of the Browns looks even more uh, disappointing because they couldn't get the job done against this Bengals defense. And then this, uh, because the Browns defense will be on the game to on the field too long and too often, they're going to get tired and they're going to give up points to probably a team, an offense who nobody, if anybody, wants to give up points to in the Bengals offense. So I'm going to put the heat on the Browns. They really need to show me something for me to start picking them to win football games, even in a game where they have clearly better talent, should win the football game. But I just, I don't know where it is mentally. I don't know where they are. I don't know where they're at. So I'm picking the Bengals to win this Thursday night football game. Even if it's just by, even if both teams are sloppy and both kickers are missing field goals and the Bengals win by one point, by a penalty, by a hook or by a crook, I'm picking the Bengals to win this because the Browns, I'm too disappointed in the Browns. And I would be remiss if I picked the Browns to win and they lose versus picking the Bengals to win and they lose. I'd rather pick the Bengals win to win and they lose because they're clearly a worse team talent wise than to pick the Browns to win and knowing that they're a better team talent wise and they lose. So I'm picking the Bengals to win this game on Thursday night football. It'll be a sloppy game, knockdown, drag out, fight, and the Bengals will come out on top by one point. You heard it here, folks. So that is our week one recap and Thursday night football short predictions and analysis. Definitely appreciate my subscribers. Definitely appreciate my listeners. Um, Like I said, this is a dream that's been... Uh, long coming, long planning dream. Um, and I don't care how long it takes me to get to where I want to be. I'm going to get there. And I appreciate all of you who are along for the ride supporting me. Once again, this is the Valiant with Scout Team Sports. Believe until you stop breathing. Next episode will be the full week two predictions coming out on Friday. We'll see you then.